Amen. It feels good in this house tonight. I'm grateful to be here. Um, Pastor Aaron and I, you know, we have table talk tonight and we, we opened with Mind Matters and then Caleb and Courtney talked about being bivocational in ministry. Uh, man, Becca and Eddie came and, you know, talked about warring with worship and the word and work. And last week, you guys hammered down and waged a good fight in the faith uh, for Israel. And so as a mom, as a preacher, as a teacher, leading um, anything in this day, I don't care what it is that you do, whether you have the revelation of it or not, you're a leader. Uh, When you take on the cause of Christ, you will lead, hopefully, that's the goal, someone to Jesus. And therefore, that gives you a leadership role, whether it is position, a title. I think we need to throw some of that out anyway um, to a certain degree. And yet there also has to be a balance of honor with those who God has called to lead. And so answering some very tough questions to my own children, as I'm sure most of you are, with what is taking place in the world today. Is anybody having to answer some tough questions and you're like, I need answers, Lord? Am I the only one? Praise God. A few of you. Listen, let's do that again. Who is having to answer some pretty tough questions? And how many's got some tough questions, right? Well, the Lord began to speak to me and we've always heard it said, you know, this, this is an Isaac and an Ishmael, right? This is what happens when you birth something out of your own flesh. And we know the story of Abraham and Sarah. We, know, we all know that story, that God told Abram that out of his own body, that he was going to bear children and his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And we know that as Sarah got older and you have to begin to position yourself in her thought process. That's what I do in the word of God. Um, I, I don't read it outside of myself. I read it with what I would be experiencing in the text. And so let me help you. Sarah knew she was old. She was a dried up tree. You know what I mean? She had hit menopause and said, there ain't no return here. And I'm just telling you, she could no longer go to the tent where women would go together. She's watching everybody else who is of childbearing age. And so just like you and me, you start walking around going, okay, God, I know what you said. So that must mean I got to do something. If it's coming from Abram's body, it may be not be coming through mine. We all are guilty. Amen. I'm just helping Sarah out for a minute. And all of us who felt like we needed to take matters into our own hands. Okay? So we know the story. She gives her husband Hagar. She had to be some kind of crazy going through menopause to do that. Women said, amen. Amen. And the husband too. (laughs) Saying all of that, Ishmael was born. And the Lord said, listen, I have to obey my word. We need to understand tonight, out of this message, this table talk. If you don't get anything else, I want us to say this together. God has to obey his word. word. And his word was, I will bless what's coming out of your body, Abram. And so therefore, when Ishmael was birthed and Sarah decided, I don't want him in our camp, God said, I cannot take back what I said. I can't take back my word. 
You've asked me to bless what comes out of your body, and I am not a man that I should lie, nor the son that I should repent. I can't take my word back. So guess what? I'm going to bless your mess. He said, I'm going to bless Ishmael. And there will be 12 princes come out of him. Now, let me help us with who Ishmael is. The Bible says that Ishmael would be a wild donkey. I won't use the King James Version because somebody will be mad at me and say I'm a preaching, I'm a cussing preacher. But he was a wild donkey of a man who would forever be enraged and be at war with his brethren. Okay? That's who Ishmael is. We often think that Hagar and Ishmael ran off God honored them. He blessed them. Twelve princes came out of Ishmael, and he's never heard again. That's actually not true. Because even in Genesis 25, we see that Ishmael and Isaac come back together to bury their father. Okay? So Ishmael didn't just disappear and never be seen again. That's not what I want to talk about tonight. We often just call this Isaac and Ishmael war, what is taking place right now against Israel. But the Holy Spirit began to speak to me, and he said, I want you to look at this a little deeper. And the Lord, Aaron talked about it last Wednesday. I wasn't here, but out of lamentations, when the Lord woke me up, and I finally got the revelation to ask God what he thought about it. There's there's the, you know, here's your sign. We all have our emotions, and they're running high right now in the world. And some of you may be going, I don't really care what's going on. Let me also help you. You need to. You need to wake up because guess what? You might think it is long, long, long away from here, but you better wake up because the second the blood of Jesus, our Jewish Messiah's blood is applied to your life, it has also brought you in opposition with the enemy. Okay? So when the Lord showed me out of lamentations, he said, tears are streaming down my face for the destruction of my people. He led me for the rest of that early morning hour from 3.30 all the way into 5 a.m. to study the book of lamentations. Now, how many's ever really studied lamentations besides Elder Jeff in here? I knew you would be the first hand to raise. Look, who else besides Elder Jeff? Nobody. You know why? Because it is written by the weeping prophet. Don't nobody want to read anything by a weeping prophet. We want the new car. We want the blessing, Lord. I don't want to know about your weeping. But he said, if you, don't, if you cannot understand the fellowship of my sorrow, you cannot enjoy my resurrection. We want the fear of the Lord, and and he is to be feared. We know that he's a jealous God, and most of us, when we come into the kingdom, want the love of God. But you also need to understand the sorrow of the Lord. I'm not going to get into all of that today. But it led me to the daughters of Edom versus the daughters of Zion. Okay? So we're going to take this a step further. This is not just and Isaac and Ishmael. And the reason that we're giving it a name tonight uh, is exactly what Becca said. When you have a name, you call it out in the atmosphere. And whatever you're speaking behind it, there is a name that's greater. Do you hear me tonight? So the Lord said, I want a revelation of what this spirit is birthed out of, which led me to Genesis 25. Y'all ready? Let's go to Genesis 25. And let's go to 20 is where we're going to start. And if whoever is on the screens, I don't know if we have anybody up there tonight. 
It says in verse 20 of Genesis 25, Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian, of Paddan, Aram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. Now, Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Verse 22 of 25. But, everybody say but. but. The children struggled together within her. And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? <laughs> so she went to inquire of the Lord. I want, and another translation said it like this. If everything is all right, then why is this happening to me? Now I want to talk to the church that has asked that question. If everything is all right, why is this going on? And why am I feeling the wage of warfare within my belly? Now I want to talk to somebody tonight that has a fulfillment of a promise setting right in the core of you and you're at war with it. Woo! The struggle first comes within you. Do you hear me? This is the promised seed, the prophecy fulfilled, the prayer answered, and she's going, wait a minute, why is this happening to me? And she went and she inquired of the Lord, and the Lord said, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Why is this happening to me? Has anybody asked God that question lately? Have you felt the wage of the war? I told our team a couple of weeks ago, and they are the witnesses to this. I may have said it from this pulpit, that we, this is before the war broke out, but the Lord told me, he said, I want you to pay attention because we are in the war of two wills. We are in the war of two wills, which Rebecca was carrying the war of two wills within her womb. The war of wills and fighting for the, the first, fighting for the right, fighting for the position. And when her days were fulfilled to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. So two nations, the prophecy was there are two nations in your womb. Why is this happening to me? And I want to tell you, she had to be getting close to the days of fulfillment to feel the struggle. Now that ought to help somebody shout right now. Because if you feel the war raging on the inside of you, there's your will and there's God's will. There's obedience and there's disobedience. There's right and there's wrong. There, in your mind, there is constantly a war being waged within you. But God said, I've got a plan and a purpose. Now which will is going to win on the struggle on the inside of you tonight? Which battle is going to be fought? Are you going to fight my battle or are you going to fight for yours? Is your will going to win or is my will going to win? If it be your will, let this cup pass from me nevertheless, oh God. Woo, I, I'm not supposed to be preaching. But if you feel the struggle has gotten out of hand and you find yourself praying to God, what 
is going on inside of me. Somebody better get excited because your days are about to be to the peak of birthing. Something is coming to the fulfillment and something is about to crown in your life because it's got to get big enough and the war's got to begin fighting when you're running out of space on the inside of you and it has to come to pass. When the days of fulfillment for birth, indeed there were twins. The first came out red. It was like a hairy garment all over him, and they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out, and he took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was now 60 years old when this was birthed. Why is this happening? That seems to be the question my children, my 8-year-old all the way to my 19-year-old, why is this happening? Why is this happening? And, and, and I want to say this, when there's a word, everybody say this, when, when there's a word given, there will always be a war within. When you receive a word, there will always be a war. It's not at the end of the day about the birthright. It is not about the blessing. We're going to teach all of that out. But it is about the word of the Lord that will go forth. Because at the end of this thing, when everything crashes and burns... He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but what? My word will remain. About three weeks ago, sitting there on that front row, the Lord told me, he said these words. He said, I will keep watch over my word in you. If you speak my word, you will never have to wonder if it will come to pass or not. We've got to stop speaking our opinions, our agendas, our good intellectual words, and then expect God to bless it. He's saying, I'm not in the hour of creating Ishmael's, or I'm not in the hour of even wanting to bless an, an, an Esau. But the word in you is what I will keep watch over, and everything else will fade away. We're in the hour of watching things fall away and fade away because it does not have his word attached to it. We're in the war of wills because his preceding word goes before us. And there will always be a contrary to his word. Always. It will oppose it simply because it wants you to be removed from the path of his word and wants to keep you from the fulfillment of seeing it come to pass. So I propose to you tonight in this teaching that yes, while it is an Isaac and an Ishmael, at the end of the day, It is a Jacob and an Esau. Well, where's that? We're going to get there. Pastor in a minute is going to teach about the birthright. Once we pass the birthright, we see disobedience. This is about Jacob and Esau that later becomes Israel and Edom. It's about obedience and disobedience. It is about rebellion versus honor. Because at the moment that his mother and father, their mother and father looked at their children, they looked at Jacob and said, we do not want you to intermarry. We do not want you to run to the Canaanite women. And it will not please the Lord and it will not please the fulfillment of what God wants to do. Guess what Esau did? He ran to the daughter of Ishmael. To add to the wives he already had. And we're going to get to the fulfillment of how all of this explosion against Israel 
comes to pass. It's not just an Ishmael and an Isaac. It comes from the seed of Ishmael, but it's because a son decided to rebel against the word of his father and do the opposite simply because I'm mad at you because you didn't give me what I wanted. Jacob and Esau, Israel and Edom is why we are seeing a war explode today. And again, Aaron's going to interject and then I'm going to fast forward this thing and talk about all the nations that have intermingled and intertangled with it. Before I start, I want to remind of what she just said. She, she didn't feel the struggle until she was about ready to birth promise. There was no struggle until she was ready for promise. Actually, the promise brought the struggle. Oh, come on, somebody. See, we all, want the, we all want the promise. We all want the birthing, especially when we're in a barren season. But do you want the responsibility of what God is getting ready to release? Come on, somebody. And she's feeling this inside of her, this promise. It's bigger than her. There's two nations inside of her. And she's feeling the struggle and the war. And, and so powerfully stated, we see that Rebecca gave birth to these two nations and they would each father nations, but God chose one. God chose one. Let me just say this. When God chooses you, nothing can pull you out of what he's called you to do. Come on, somebody. That ought to help some people in here because there's been many things that's tried to pull you away and out of what God has assigned you to do. But if God spoke it, no devil in hell can stop it. Ooh, come on. And so it's all about the posture. It's all about the heart. And listen, when I read this story, I don't know about you, but I get mad a little bit because I'm seeing Jacob on one end. He's, he's doing stuff, man, that, that's not right. In which I want to say this. Yeah. If this were taking place today and mm -hmm. within our churches, we would have a whole generation standing up for Esau. You're right. That's the problem. Oh, look, we, we don't have time. We don't have time. Tell the, tell the truth. But, but Genesis 27, let's, let's try to get through this because there's so much that we could do right here. Genesis 27, 43 says, now therefore my son, obey my voice. Now here's what's happening. The, Rebecca is saying, hey, obey my voice, arise, go to Haran now because everything is starting to move and, and, and is set in motion. We know that, that when, when God's word is set in motion, there might be things that's going to contradict it. Obviously, there's always, as she said, if there is a word of God released, there is warfare to resist it. And so this is what is happening right here. Genesis 28 and 10, Jacob departed, goes to Beersheba, went to, toward, uh, he, he went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set and he took, uh, he took one of the stones of the place and put his head under it or put his head upon it, and he laid down in that place. Now, he's laying in this place because he's trying to get away. He's running away from Esau. Isn't it so interesting that when God anoints somebody, the next thing that happens, they're running away from uh, enemies? Come on. Everybody wants to be anointed, but listen, if you're, if you're going to be anointed, you're going to be fleeing from some enemies. I mean, that's it. All throughout Scripture, everybody that was anointed, you know what? And most people that were anointed didn't call for it. God just said, I'm going to anoint David. He's a shepherd in the field. I'm going to anoint him. And then all of a sudden, now there's enemies after David. Uh, several times he's anointed, and then people getting jealous, and all these things are happening. 
I don't care how many people get jealous. Come on, somebody. I don't care how many enemies you have. If Jesus has called you, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks about it. It doesn't matter how hard they try to knock you out of the position that God's called you to be in. If God be for you, God's spoken it into existence, it doesn't matter what is against you. So don't worry about things that are unimportant. If God has called us for such a time as this, don't worry about the winds that are so easily trying to beset you because God has already set you in position. He's already set you in motion. It doesn't matter what enemy is stacked against you. It doesn't matter what wind is coming. If you've got a word, there's no wind that can keep you from getting in. Come on, somebody. If you've got a word, there's no wind of the enemy. There's no demonic spirit. There's no demonic force. If God tells you that you're going to make it to the other side, I promise you, you may go through some storms, you may feel some hell, and God's going to work on you all the way to getting in, but I promise you, you're going to get there. Somebody ought to take 30 seconds if you have fought some winds and some hell in this season. It's because the struggle is because you're sitting in the promise. Come on. Your struggle is because you're birthing promise. Well, Lord. And the modern church would look at people who are in, I'm just talking tonight. They, no, 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 I'm just being mama in the house. Because at times I feel the war within the womb, you know what I mean? And at times when we see God-fearing people who are moving in God direction and all hell's broken loose against them, we start setting back and judging what sin have they committed. What have they done? Because God would not do this to them. You don't read your Bible. Do you want me to interject here? All right. <laughs> so let's talk about the different, um, let's talk about Esau. Let's talk about who he was just for a moment. Esau was aggressive. Esau was active. He was active, but he was active in all the wrong things. Uh, he was impatient. He loved food. He was disrespectful to his birthright. Can you, do you know that you can disrespect your birthright? And ultimately, he sold his birthright. He sold his, why did he sell his birthright? Because he was hungry. He was hungry to feed his flesh. How many birthrights have been sold? Because we've been hungry for the wrong thing. And we see here that Jacob, because he thought little of the spiritual heritage, took advantage of the situation. Now this, oh, it disturbs me somewhat, but, but Jacob was working, he was, <laughs> he was doing his work, you know, trying to figure out how I'm going to, and, and, and listen, there's a lot of dysfunction in this story. Let me just tell you, there's a lot of Je Jezebelic activity that's going on. I mean, mama's trying to control some stuff. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. But ultimately, it doesn't matter what's going on or how much help is trying to be involved in trying to do God's work for him. God's word will still come to pass. And we see here that when his stomach was hungry... Doesn't this sound familiar, ladies and gentlemen? Many of us today, we have little value in the right thing. 
and we value what is temporary. We have little value for what is spiritual and eternal, and we want something that's a momentary fix. We care about more about the momentary, whether it's five seconds, five minutes of pleasure, and we miss the eternal value of, let me just go ahead and just get there, coming to church on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or a prayer meeting. We want to focus on what I'm building. This is all that happened. Esau was worried about building material things. He was worried about being out and hunting in the field. He was wasting his time because they had plenty of food. It wasn't about the food bringing it in the house. He just wanted to go do what he wanted to do and he's missing his birthright because he's so hungry for what his flesh, his appetite in his flesh is. And we see history shows us that men prefer time rather than eternity. Come on, somebody. Men prefer pleasure rather than presence, rather than eternal things. And Go he ahead. literally said, he literally said in the word, mm-hmm. Hey, sell me your birthright. Well, what good is my birthright? If I'm going, I'm to, going to die. die. Yeah. I'm going to die if you don't give me, because he's not feeding his flesh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's backwards, because the enemy will absolutely make you feel things in the flesh and desires in the flesh, and if I don't have it, I'm going to die. But really, if you don't shed yourself of it, come on, somebody, you will absolutely end up in a place called death. We see that he despised the birthright. Ephesians 1 and 3, 14 shows us our birthright. So many men, they would rather read trash, their eyes get stuck on the wrong things, and truth is released. But isn't it interesting that we would rather look at the trash than, in, in, uh, than, than take in the truth. Let's just say it like that. I would rather look at trash, and you can look, and I'm talking about men, but I'm talking about just people. We love trash. Matter of fact, post you a scripture on Facebook, see how many likes you get. Put you some trash up there. Come on, somebody. Is there anybody else that's tired of the truth not being respected. I'm, I'm getting ready to preach right here. I'm tired of people respecting trash and resisting the truth. When we have a platform, we have, we have something that God has given us to declare the truth, but we know that we're not going to get the likes, so we'd just rather not do anything. Listen, if you have a platform to put truth, God gave you that platform to preach His good news. Not to put up our opinions. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you, okay? And so we have to see this here that Esau, God got it. How many knows it's not a, it's not a, a surprise that he got it right? He got it right. You know, Esau, in the, in, at the end of the day, yes, Jacob had his, his flaws. He had the things that God was working out. But at the end of the day, God knew what was getting ready to be birthed. And he had wisdom in the birthing. God has divine wisdom and understanding of what he is releasing. And I'm going to say that to you. He knows what he's releasing out of you. That's why it's so precious. That's why you're feeling the struggle because he's got to work out 
so that he can work in. Come on, somebody. He's got to work stuff out of you so that he can work stuff in you. Because what he's preparing you for is bigger than anything you could think, ask, or imagine. And so he's got to work some stuff out of you so that he can work some stuff in you. You see, Jacob was not yet ready for the position, but he had a process. Just like all through Scripture, we can see that there was the process before the positioning of what God was going to do. Listen, don't just tap your neighbor. I just feel like a preaching moment right now, and you help me. Tap your neighbor and tell him, don't sell your birthright. Listen, don't disrespect your birthright. Do you understand? Let me just go ahead and say, you're a child of the king. You've got royal blood flowing through your veins. You have in the indwelling presence of God. You have the infilling power of the Holy Ghost. You have the gift of healing, the gift of all of these things. Don't disrespect the download of heaven that's on the inside of you. God wants you to understand that what's in you is more valuable than what's trying to pull you out of the value that he's placed inside you. I wish I had somebody to take 30 seconds right now and honor the Lord and say, in my praise right now, I'm not going to allow the enemy to pull the value of God out of me. I'm not going to allow him to have one more moment of his lies, of his tricks, of his schemes. He's not going to talk me out of everything that God has promised me. He's not going to talk my family out of the things that he's promised for my marriage. Come on, somebody. That he's promised for my children. That he's promised for this ministry. The enemy has had his last word to talk me out of my destiny. I wish I had somebody to help me that understands that you have a destiny that's greater than anything that's trying to devastate your life. Y'all better praise or I'm not going to go sit down. Somebody praise him right now and say, I've got a destiny that's greater than the devastation. I've got a, I've got a destiny that's greater than the war. That's, I've got a word that's greater than the war that's even going on inside of and so there's two, two kingdoms. Just like there's two men building in Matthew, there's two, there's a wise, there's a foolish. The only difference is they were in the same vocation. They were in the same area. These two, those two were in the same, they were doing the same things, building the same things. But one was building on the rock, others, the other was building on the sand. But here's what, why the other was building on the sand. Because they were both hearing the word. Come on, somebody. It wasn't about him not hearing the word. It was about him not activating the word that he heard. One did the word. The other only heard the word. I don't know about you, but in this hour, I'm not going to be just a hearer only. Come on, somebody. But I want to activate the revelation. I want revelation and activation. I don't want to just hear revelation and go to sleep and never do anything with it. But when God gives you a light bulb, he gives you that light bulb to screw in the socket. I want somebody to understand if God has given you a revelation, it's for you to run every devil out of your house when you get home tonight and run them out of your daughter's rooms and your son's rooms. I don't care what you got to do, but when God enlightens you with something, it's not for you to just sit comfortable and say, oh, that was nice. No, we got to 
activate the revelation that God is releasing. Somebody give God praise for a revelation that worked for your life, that worked for your wife, that worked for your children, that worked for your ministry. Has the revelation of God's truth every work for you and you're standing on a firm foundation and yes the winds have come and yes the rain has come. The devil has sure breathed down my neck but guess what? I'm still standing on my word. Come on somebody. Let the war come. I'm standing on a word. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm standing on the word. I just feel something pushing me tonight. I'm standing on the word. Back before the two houses were built, Jesus says there's a narrow gate. But the gate is only for the opening. Which tells me <laughs> that the hard place is about to make way for the blessed place. Come on, somebody. The, the, the tight place is only for the open space. It's the entrance. It's the entrance. Which means the difficulty is for your destiny. Come on, somebody. It's just the entry point. If I don't endure, if I don't go through the difficult, my God, if I don't go through the suffering, I will never see the fulfillment of the opening. You'll squander the blessing. Oh, I hope you're getting this. I see some of you nodding, but I hope you're getting it. They're getting it. Listen, when you get through that difficult place and you're going to get through it, I want to help somebody. I know it feels like you're not. I know it feels narrow. I know it feels tight. It's just the entrance. It's just the entry point. You're just going through the door. Come on, somebody. You're going through the door. If we look through the fast forward through the scripture, we can see that Jacob built his head upon the rock and God gave him clear vision of what he was going to do. Somebody needs to put your head on the rock and have a good night's sleep because I promise you, God is about to give you fresh vision and it's going to open up the heavens come on somebody I said if you'll sleep on the rock tonight I promise you it's about to open the heavenlies and Jesus is about to become a ladder and he's going to go up and come down and he's going to be the answer because he's your intercessor he's your bridge to your blessing somebody give God praise right now if you're built on the rock I wish I had somebody that would at least stand up and give him praise because he is a bridge because he is a ladder because he's opened the heavens why because I chose to lay my head on the rock I chose to not just hear the word but I chose to activate the word and if I'll activate the word he's going to open the heavens for me take 30 seconds if you know you're in the season of the opening with all hell breaking loose around you give God praise for the blessing you're walking into I'm trying to behave but I just can't I, I just I have the I can'ts I'm sorry forgive me please but I love you God has an opening. And it happens when you're sleeping on the hard place. My God, has anybody got enough courage to sleep in the hard place? Man, do you have enough courage to sleep while the devil is ringing your doorbell? Go ahead and sleep on the rock. Watch God give you fresh vision. Take it from right here. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> Sleep on the hard place. And I love that because as he woke up, after seeing the vision, and I have a friend in Chattanooga, and she has a statue that was crafted in Israel of Jacob sleeping on the, the rock and the ladder. It's like a DNA strand over him. It's beautiful. I probably should post a picture of that up sometime. But literally heaven's wisdom coming down. Jacob's worry going up. Jacob was on his way to find his covenant bride. Now listen. Here's the beautiful thing about that. When he woke up, he said, surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't even know it. See, there's something that happens when the revelation of the kingdom comes while you're sleeping and it's hard and it's tight and there's the struggle and you're potentially running for your life. You have a revelation that can never be removed from you and it's simply the Lord was here the whole time and I didn't even know it. And the Bible says that he changed the name of that place from Luz to Bethel. And he poured oil on the rock. <laughs> and he anointed it and he marked it. It was a marker in his life. And so as we're going to wrap this up, I don't know who's coming to the keys. But again, I want us to get back to this is, this is Esau and it's Jacob. It's rebellion versus honor. It's the war of will. We are in the war of will, and there will always be three major conflicts that we will all face, and I want, I want you to mark these. There will always be three major conflicts, and we, if you haven't discovered it, one day you will. It's the war within, it's the war with them, and ultimately the war with him. And see, so you would say, well, I'm not at war with God. You have been. At one point or another in your life, you have been. And if you haven't, then you've not gotten the greater anointing yet. Because <laughs> it's one thing to be like, oh, Lord, I surrender. All. You know, the war within me. And if you don't deal with the war in you, you will forever be at war with everybody around you. And when you're at war with everybody around you, you will never win the war with God. Because you've already made up your mind that you are forever the victim and he is a victorious God. And if you ever want to see the victory of God, it will be a war waged between you and him. The war within, the war with them and the war with him. Genesis 32, we see an interesting turn here. You see, he's, Jacob has been with Laban. He got served everything that he had dealt. The trickster was tricked, deceived, became deceived. That's something else, man. If you ever have been in a spirit and you've been entangled in deception, that's why it says deceived and being deceived. You, if you will deceive, you will in turn reap what you sow one way or the other. Jacob, God had handed to him, worked 14 years, married somebody he didn't want to marry. The pretty one, the one he really wanted, the one he flirted with. I heard, I heard someone say it like this, is that we talk about revival the way that, you know, Jacob wanted Rachel. Everybody wants revival and everybody wants to flirt with revival, but the seed is with the ugly things. <laughs> 
a nation, a whole nation, and its government was birthed through what Jacob considered ugly. Ishmael had 12 princes. There was a government through Ishmael's seed. Esau marries a daughter of Ishmael and continues birthing, birthing, birthing. And God said, I have a government that I want to set up for a nation. And it came through what was considered ugly and less valuable. I'm going to tell you something. Don't you dare. Once you have got the birthright, you think you got the hot thing on your arm. And you think you've got the anointed one. And turns out you ended up in bed with what was ugly. Don't you think that God's done with what's ugly? I've personally, we've personally been in a very ugly season of our life. And we talk about this, and yet it is the most fruitful. It is truly a wheat and a tear moment. And some of you have been in this, and you have been feeling the warfare. And you feel, and and I said this one day, we were standing in our driveway, and I said, I started literally shouting, like I'm crazy, like I do here. I did it in my driveway. And I was like, the wheat, the wheat, the wheat. And Aaron was like, what are you talking about? I said, there's a season when the wheat and the chaff are separated. And there is a beating that takes place to drive away what's empty in your life. And it looks like the empty thing is excelling, right? It just gets blown away for a season. And the wheat, you get thrashed. You get milled. And you get thrown in a silo. The Lord says, I have a reserve of a remnant of people who are about to bake some bread and feed some people who are allow governing authorities to come through them to establish my kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. In Genesis 32, something very interesting takes place. And as he is preparing to meet his brother Esau, he doesn't know if Esau's coming to kill him. He has sent gifts ahead of him because if he can't trick his way, then he can gift his way. He can try to buy his way back in favor with Esau. You know what I mean? And he gets word. Esau's on his way and he's got 400 men with him. And somehow, Jacob finds a place to sleep. Because <laughs> when you got a word, yet again, he slept on the hard place. Now he finds himself sleeping, knowing that he doesn't know what is going to become of this meeting with Esau. And it's interesting because, you know, we often, we want God to come to us in the day and all of the things. But God knows how to get to you. He knows when to catch you off guard to minister to you. And it talks about a man coming and wrestling with Jacob in the night. And as he's wrestling with Jacob, how many wants the touch of the blessing of the Lord? And who wants to be recognized that you are touched by God? Who? Who in this room? Well, let me tell you what it really means to be touched by God. The scripture says that when the man recognized, and he was being delicate with Jacob, let's just be honest. He was not throwing his force on him. He's like, I'm going to let him think he's winning for a minute. But one delicate touch from the Lord has the power to forever dislocate something in you. 
The Bible says that he simply touched the hip socket of Jacob and it dislocated him. To dislocate means to force something suddenly out of position. Now I want us to go back in the beginning of Genesis 25 and 22. It says that there was a struggle within the womb and she was carrying two nations and the younger would would rule over the older. Jacob came out holding the heel of Esau. And I'm telling you this, to obtain the fullness of the Word of God, there will be something in your life that will forever be marked and dislocated. Do you hear me? Because God said, man's position is this, but now I have to reposition you. And the only way that some of you can be repositioned to the fullness of what God has promised is to dislocate you in your life. Woo! Listen, the Lord withholds His full might and let Jacob think he's winning. The Almighty did not tear his leg out of socket. The Hebrew word simply means he touched it. I'm going to tell you something. When he touched me, he changed who I thought I was. He changed what I thought my position was going to be. He changed my desire of going and and doing hair and working in the salon all the days of my life. I didn't ask to be a preacher, but he dislocated me to relocate me. You see, you have to understand when you obtain the fullness of the word, you will be touched by God. But that touch will forever mark you. Dislocated. I want to talk to a church and a body that feels like, man, I'm walking with the limp. I should be walking straight. I shouldn't be carrying this weight of this thing. And I feel disconnected and I feel dislocated. You better begin looking for the hand of God because he's about to reposition you suddenly for his sake. Oh, my God. God said, I dislocated you naturally to locate you spiritually. To bring you into the rightful position of the way I see you. I see you this way. And I will dislocate. As Rana would say, I will break every bone in your body to save your life. That's that's God. Well, God wouldn't do that to me. Yes, he does. And, And then he says this. He says, I am bringing you into the rightful position. See, and people will look at you and be like, they crazy, they dislocated, they relocated. Isn't it crazy, Christina, that Jeremy's sign to relocate, to be dislocated from what was familiar, was that God took a broken hip socket and put it back in place to relocate them. Whatever you were and whatever you identified with and whatever your strength was, God said, I'll relocate you. I'm shifting you suddenly out of position to put you back in position the way I see it. And then he says this, you will no longer be called Jacob. Because when you are marked and when you are carrying the fullness of the word and you have been dislocated. I tried to find out which hip it was because I wanted to know. He said, you will forever remember Oh, you wrestled within yourself. You lost pretty badly, Jacob. You wrestled with Esau and you've been on the run since. See, Jacob didn't want to be at war with Esau. He didn't want to be at war with him. He actually ran from the war and yet still found himself in the midst of it. And he said, but now you have wrestled with God. 
and with man. And you've prevailed. You're still here to tell about it. You're still breathing. You're still living. And God changed his name that day to Israel, the nation. Now let me just help you. We could go the greeting between him and Esau. He humbled himself. He bowed to the ground seven times. As Esau came, he grabbed him and he kissed him on the neck. And you know, we often think that this reconciliation means we're going to go do life together now. But Jacob knew. Israel knew. <laughs> oh, I've been dislocated. And Esau says, let us go. Come on, let's do life together. Come on. Jacob gives him a nice excuse. But Jacob lands in one place and Esau lands in another. And the Bible says in Genesis 36 that Esau is Edom. And he births Edomites. And he marries and intermingles and intermarries. And there is forever an entangling of nations aligned against Israel simply because of the seed of Edom. Let me just take it even further. Guess who else is a descendant of Esau? We will find in the New Testament. His name was Herod. The Herodians were descendants of Esau who were forever at war. And so as we see all of the nations raging and wanting to align together, it's not just one bloodline it is many through the seed of one. Do you hear me? It's not just Ishmael. It's Edom. It's Edom simply because they forfeited their birthright. And they have spent a lifetime trying to regain access. Where Israel said, oh, I've been dislocated. I've been broke down. I've been beat. I forever will be at war with my brothers and my family. It is a war within. It is a war with them, but ultimately it is the war with him. And you can read Psalms 83. I'm trying to help you to know what's going on in the world because as the family goes, so the nation goes. Do you hear me? And when you see war breaking out in families, and when you see war breaking out in your own home, and when you see this assignments, David said, I could have handled it if it was somebody who was my enemy but it was those closest to me the enemy is coming in with close combat in this hour and you need to know what God has called you to do or you will forfeit it you will give up in the fight you will wage a wrong warfare when God says I want you to make amends when the hour is right but let me tell you something you're probably going to need to go over there and do your life they're going to go over there and do their life because this is a kingdom assignment there are two nations at war here oh that didn't help nobody did it in this hour I'm just going to say it like this when Jesus was in the house in Mark 3 and he is ministering the word of God so long that he didn't even eat and us ministers understand that his mothers and his brothers show up and they said, he is out of his mind. We have to pull him out of this house. And they said, your family's here. They want you to get out. They, they need you out of this house. And he's ministering the word of the Lord. And he looks around. He said, who is my family? 
simply this. Those who do the will of God. Those who obey our Father's voice. That's who my family is. So you may feel like you've been dislocated and you may look around you and nothing looks the same. And God, I promise you, is doing His thing right now by changing your name. It doesn't mean that your family's at war and forever going to be at war. I believe there's restoration in the family. I believe at the end of the day, it's a restoring gospel. But if you have found yourself dislocated, if you have found your household in the middle of a war zone, if your children are acting a fool, I want you to understand what's taking place. It's the war of wills. And somebody has to be a voice of reason in this season. Somebody has to rise up and speak into the atmosphere and remind you the will of God concerning your life. And ultimately, the will of God in you is to do what the kingdom has said in you and bring it through you. He's changed your name for a purpose. He has brought you to the kingdom possibly for such a time as this. And some of you need to remind your children. I know Rebecca gets, she gets heat. And again, just like I took up for Sarah, because us women got to stick together. And this is the season of the matriarchs. And in that, I believe Rebecca knew that she heard the word of God. She heard it. Stand to your feet in this room. If you've been in a season and you felt the struggle within you, I want you to raise your hand. (laughs) Come on, don't lie. You've been in a season and you've been sleeping, but it's been a hard place. If that's you, raise your hand. If you feel like you've been building and you're not sure if you're part of the wise or part of the foolish, I want you to raise your hand. I need some clarity, Lord. Come on. And then if you have found yourself in the middle of a war zone and you're not sure if it's the war in you, if it's the war against them, or if it's the war with him. But you're saying, at the end of this, Lord, I want to stand before you, and you change my name, and you call me to the front lines, and you anoint me and appoint me for your kingdom's sake, which means I surrender my agenda. I surrender my plan. I surrender what I want. Because at the end of the day, if you understood what the anointing of God would cost on your life, many of you would have ran from it anyway. Because it'll cost you everything. But I just want you to join hands with somebody beside you or put your hand on their shoulder as we come and we're going to pray that in this hour that while you have felt the warfare great within you, I want you to know that the greatest struggle is right before the great birth. And I believe that we are moving into a season of crowning, a moment of fulfillment, a moment of every promise coming to pass that is yes and amen concerning you. And yes, the warfare has been great. Yes, the will has been waged inside of you and you feel like, God, I've got my will. I know what I want to see come to pass. Lord, I know what my heart longs to see. I don't want to study war no more. But God, if you're the one in the battle, I want to be with you, Father. That's the way our heart needs to begin to be positioned in this moment. If you have found yourself sleeping on a rock, come on, Pastor Aaron, begin praying. Come on, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, we thank you. We know that the winds have come. We know that the rain has come. The floods have come. Lord, we know that we are hearing of wars and commotions and fear has tried to grip things and grip us. But Lord, we thank you for Luke 21. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that gives us hope. We thank you, Lord, that even in this storm, in the commotion, Father, you're going to give us revelation. 
Lord, you told us that we would have a mouth of wisdom, God, even in the midst of our adversaries. Lord, I thank you right now that you're giving fresh revelation. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that even when the enemy tries to contradict everything that God has already predicted, Lord, I thank you that the word of God will always supersede that the Word of God will always win. I thank you, Lord, that even when we are hated for your name's sake, Lord, I thank you that not even a hair will be out of place, Lord. Lord, I thank you that if we are in you, Father, we are under you. We are protected by your mighty strong hand, Father God. Lord, I ask right now that you would begin to touch each and every one. Lord, I ask that if you have to dislocate our hip, Lord, that we would be positioned right, whatever it is, God, that we need to be so that we can do what you've designed us to do. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you had to dislocate to relocate. Lord, I love that. I'm in that season, God. I know what that means. And I know that many are in this room right now and they feel dislocated. God, I thank you, Lord, that even when we feel like we're out of position, it's because, Lord, you are repositioning us. Lord, maybe we've been in our own positioning. Maybe we've been in our own will. Maybe we've been in our own way. But, Lord, I thank you that you will take us out of what we think we should be in. And, Lord, you've designed us with destiny. You've designed us with purpose even before we were in our mother's womb lord you had a purpose and a plan for each and every person under the sound of my voice now i want you to dig in right here and just begin to pray for your neighbor lord in the name of jesus everyone that has endured warfare god i thank you right now that you are beginning to show you are beginning to reveal maybe if there was some things hidden and there was not no enlightenment god i thank you that you've shown us that lord jesus you are repositioning us Lord, you're taking us to another place. You're doing something brand new on the inside, Father. You're doing something for this divine purpose and this divine plan and for your divine will. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are covering your people right now. I thank you for the hedge over every house. Lord, I ask for the hedge of protection over every child, every son, every daughter. And Lord, I ask you for the harvest. God, as we are praying for protection over our homes, We are praying for sons and daughters who've went astray. God, I ask right now that you would bring them in. God, I pray that they would come to themselves in the pig pen that they're in. Lord, that they've gotten themselves into, Father, because of selfish desire. Lord, and maybe uh, they didn't have any self-worth. But God, I pray right now that you would begin to remind them who you created them to be. God, begin to remind them of who you are in their life. God, begin to remind them of what is on the inside of them is greater than the pit they got themselves into. Lord, you are a God of mercy. You are a God of grace. And even in the midst of mistakes, you are a true God. You are a faithful God. But most importantly, Lord, you work it all, even our mishaps, everything that we've done wrong. Lord, I thank you that your word always goes forth, that your word will always prevail. It doesn't matter how many times we mess it up. It doesn't matter how good we are, how bad we are. Your word will stand. Your word will stand where the the grass will wither, the fire will fade, but the word of the Lord will remain forever. And so, Lord, we press into it in the name of Jesus. Father, we just plead the blood of our families in this place today, God, Lord, that every struggle and every bit of strife is coming to an end, Father. We call an end to the war that has been waged. Maybe some of them don't even know what the conflict is about anymore. And we just cancel everybody who would come into alignment 
for the warfare, those who are plotting and, and advising to bring destruction to your plan and your promise, oh God. We just call an end to the confederacy that's coming into alignment with hell's agenda. And Father, we release heaven's authority over it. We ask for the anointing to endure. We ask for the peace of the Lord, even in the midst of war. We ask for your joy to be full over us, oh God. I pray for night visions and I pray for dreams, oh God. I pray for assignments of heaven to come alive through the hearts and the minds of the people tonight. Lord, that there would be a divine revelation of the anointing and the fulfillment of the plan of God. Lord, I thank you for blueprints and the trajectory of life being changed by the power of your name, oh God. Lord, I thank you that every other name and every other assignment is coming to an end that is contrary. Lord, those who have lined up against Israel, that it would not be remembered anymore. They've consulted together with one consent and the confederacy against your name. We come against the tents of Edom. We come against the Ishmaelites. We come against Moab. We come against the Hagriites. We come against Amnon. We come against Amalek. Philistine, Philistine spirit with the inhabitants of Tyre. Philistia, Assyria, those who have joined together with them, those who are the children of Lot. Lord, I'm asking you to deal with them in the name of Jesus, by your blood and by your authority. And we ask for the peace of Israel. We ask for the peace of Israel. We ask for the peace of Israel. And we ask for the ceasing of innocent blood. Lord, I thank you, Father, for your protection in this nation. We call an end to unnecessary battles. And Lord, more importantly, I pray that we call an end to unnecessary battles within your body, within the kingdom. And we declare that you are victorious in Jesus' name.